Joining us now on the phone, uh, former first-round pick of the Chicago Blackhawks. He scored in his very first NHL game, then went on to play 16 seasons in the show, a U.S. Olympian, a former head coach, member of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, and a member of the 1994 Stanley Cup-winning New York Rangers, and now part of one of the best broadcast duos in all sports, Mr. Eddie Olchek. Eddie, how are you? <laughs> a rounding, a, uh, a rounding applause. I appreciate. It. I'm not sure if it was a standing <laughs> O, but uh, Nick AQ, nice to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for joining us. Edzo, you recently released a very prof- personal and detailed book, uh, Eddie Olchek, Beating the Odds in Hockey and in Life, which I highly recommend. Everyone, please go check out. It's available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. And in it, you chronicled your battle with stage three colon cancer, which I wanted to say congratulations, obviously, on winning that battle. And I have to ask, with all you've accomplished and all the great feats in your career in life, uh, what was your mindset like when you got that diagnosis? And, and what made you want to share that story with everyone? Uh, well, there's a lot there, Nick, so uh, bear with me. Um, I, I've had opportunities to chronicle uh, my life uh, as a young aspiring athlete, a young kid growing up in the suburbs of Chicago of you know wanting to become a professional athlete, become a professional hockey player, and um, you know people telling me my whole life that uh, you know I, I I wouldn't make it or couldn't make it either because. Uh, I was a little heavy, or I was a kid from Chicago, or, you know, I was an American-born kid, obviously, and, you know, hockey back in the early 70s was, uh, you know, mostly, you know, played by Canadians, and oh, yeah. I wasn't living in a hockey hotbed in the suburbs of Chicago, but, you know, I, I had a gift. Uh, I had a great opportunity given to me by my folks, and, uh you know, I left home when I was 15 years old to pursue a hockey career, and next thing I know, I'm playing in the 1984 Olympics as a 17-year-old, and, you know, going a year before that, I was trying out as a 16-year-old, and of course, everybody remembers the Miracle on Ice in 1980, but, you know, I was trying to make the team in 1984 and follow the footsteps of that gold medal team in Lake Placid in 1980, and, you know, everybody told me I would never make it because I was 16, and lucky enough, and had opportunity to to prove myself and, and made the team and and played as a 17 year old in the Olympics in Yugoslavia and Sarajevo in 1984 and and then as you mentioned I got drafted in the first round by, the, by my hometown team the Blackhawks and played a long time in the National Hockey League and you know I, I think there's a lot there when I had the opportunities to write a book or at least chronicle the things that I had to overcome in order to, to get to where I wanted to get to and being a broadcaster, as you mentioned, working with the great Doc Emmerich on the NHL and NBC for 14 years, um, I, I just was hesitant. Uh, I was like, you know, there's, I just didn't think there was anything there. And then on August the 4th of uh, 2017, uh, I pretty much got the call uh, that changed my life, my family's life, um, and even the people uh around me uh, when I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer after having a surgery and removing uh, 14 inches of my colon and a tumor the size of my fist and them sending it out and telling me that I was sick and they were recommending six months of chemotherapy. And, you know, just pushing ahead a little bit into that battle, I, I thought at that time, I thought, well, now here's no pun intended, but this is the final chapter of the book. Wow. Like, this is going to be the heart and the meat of my story of, 
you know, growing up as a young kid in Chicago, and then all of a sudden this phone call comes at 7.07 p.m. on August the 4th of 2017, and it lasts about 30 seconds from my uh, my surgeon, Dr. Scott Strong, in Chicago at Northwestern Hospital, and he's telling me, you're sick. Uh, we're recommending six months of chemo, and we'll reevaluate uh, after the six months. And when I hung up that phone, the first thing I thought of was, okay, well, how long do I have? Uh, is, you know, when am I going to die? And like I said, pushing ahead, I thought, well, here's an opportunity to chronicle my journey through getting sick and then taking the chemotherapy. Uh, maybe this is the opportunity to help one person. So the 16 months that I had pen to paper with my co-author, Perry Lefko, uh, who I've known since the late 1980s, um, I thought if, if I could help one person either get through the day, uh, bring hope to them, uh, give them inspiration, uh, be as truthful and as transparent and as honest as I could, especially in my chemo battle and in my cancer battle, that it was well worth the 16 months of pen to paper to, you know, to, to chronicle and, and uh, put down, uh, you know, my life story. And, you know, it's, it's, it's more than just my battle about cancer. And like I said, I was bullied as a young kid. I mean, I, you know, when I was getting ready to turn pro, I mean, I had a coach say publicly that, you know, well, Eddie Olchek will have a good NHL career if he doesn't eat his way out of the NHL. Yes. Well, I asked the question, what's wrong with a hungry hockey player? What's wrong with a hungry <laughs> football player, right, AQ? I mean, that, like, you, you, you want that, but in today's society, if in me doing television as I do for NBC and hockey and horse racing coverage, but... You know, if, if I would, or anybody, if anybody would, you know, uh, zero in on anybody's weight or appearance or, you know, it's taken one way, I mean, there's pretty good chance that, you know, I would lose my job. I mean, that's just the world that we live in. So I had to overcome that obstacle of being made fun of or bullied publicly. And uh, so I just think that for me, when I got sick of going through it, I just thought maybe here's a chance to tie it all in. And uh, I'm very proud of the initiative. I'm very proud of the reception that it has gotten. And again, like I said, if I can just help one person get through the day, uh, then it was well worth the uh, the effort of doing the book. That's absolutely incredible and, and staggering in the same breath. I mean, I mean, what a journey. And you really are a true inspiration. Uh, like I said, it's not just hyperbole. You and Doc make a fantastic duo and you bring the game to everyone's TV set and into their homes and you make it so easy. You communicate it so well for everyone. Uh, you're beloved by a lot of people. You know, a lot of people who are in your position get bashed regularly. And I, I think you guys are some of the most beloved uh, to ever do it. And I don't, well, I don't I appreciate mean that, that. Thank you. Um, let's pivot a little bit. I wanted to talk uh, about you, you. You used to play for the Blackhawks. You you do TV yeah. work for them, uh, and you've seen the uh, run that Patrick Kane on has been recently. Yeah. Obviously, uh, becoming the highest scoring American born player. Uh, what's it like covering that guy in your own hometown? Uh, to watch him do what he's done in a sport that's been dominated by Canadians and Europeans and Russians for so long. Uh, and, and at this point, do you consider him the greatest American-born player ever? Well, you know what? Uh, that, that debate uh, has been, uh, been ongoing here for the last couple of years when you look at what Patrick Kane's been able to do, not only individually, uh, which is you know obviously a big part of it, but when you look at what he's done team-wise, I mean, he's won three. Championships. He's won three Stanley Cups. I mean, he's been MVP 
of the playoffs. He's led the league in scoring. Uh, he, you know, he just attained, as you mentioned, a thousand points, being the 90th player in NHL history to attain that milestone. I believe he's the fourth player in Blackhawk history, the long history of the Blackhawks to become a thousand point scorer. So, when you look at all of that, you know, for me, uh, and I'm showing my my age and my stripes, <laughs> I've, I've always said that Chris Chelios. Uh, a Chicago guy, yeah. um, a guy that played a million years in the NHL, played in every era, won cups, uh, won a Norse trophy, couple of Norse trophies, uh, Olympic gold medal, um, all of that. Uh, and playing as long as he did, I think 22 years in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken. Chelly, to me, is the greatest American-born player right now. Patrick Kane is in the rearview mirror, and he is right on the heels of Chris Chelios, in my opinion. If his career would end anytime soon, uh, I would be hard-pressed to not say that Patrick Kane is and will be the greatest American-born player ever to play in the National Hockey League. And when you look at what he's been able to do individually, team-wise, nationally, I just think that it, it 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 bodes extremely well, obviously, for USA Hockey and American-born hockey players aspiring to be in the NHL. But uh, I I would not argue anybody to say right now, you know, that that Kaner is 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 better than than Chelly, the you know the greatest American-born hockey player. Look, you you could make a list of top ten American-born players, and look, you could talk about Mike Madano and. Mm-hmm. Pat LaFontaine and Brian Leach and Mike Richter, Joey Mullen. I mean, you know, like Keith Kachuk. I mean, I could Phil Housley. I mean, I could sit here and go on and on. It'd be a great debate to have from 10 to 1, you know, the different eras and, and, you know, the type of player that, you know, would be in that top 10. Uh, But Patrick Kane is uh, is, uh, ascending to the top of that mountain. And that's, that's some high, that's some rare air in my opinion, when you're talking about comparing him to a guy like Chris Chelios. So, you know, there's still a lot of chapters to be written in that book for uh, Patrick Kane. Uh, But in my mind, uh, there is no doubt that, uh, you know, it's one in 1A right now. And, yes, at some point, I do believe is that he will – you know, he he will be at the top of the mountain and be the greatest American war player ever to play in a national hockey league. Well said, and very fair of you to pick a defenseman over a forward. You know, <laughs> uh, AQ, what do you got? But we but we and all he, know we we all know. And a just for full disclosure for some people that are are, are, are listening in is yes, I I was a forward, um, and I do carry the uh, the uh, union card for all forwards in all eras of the, of the <laughs> National Hockey League and. And we do know that forwards are smarter than defensemen, so I just want to make sure that I, I get that out there. But look at fair and balanced, fair and balanced. That's that's the type of country we live in. So uh, I do continue to uh, to get to my knees and uh, and uh, and honor the uh, the legend of Chris Chelios, both on and off the ice, and uh, know that uh, he is a D man. Uh, <laughs> Eddie, it's AQ here. Hey, we had a debate on here yesterday about goal scores with what uh-huh. Alexander Ovechkin has been able to accomplish yeah. so far. Um, yeah. Is there an argument? Is there a debate that he's the greatest goal scorer this league has seen? 
Well, right now, there's no hesitation. I mean, when you talk about our generation, AQ, I mean, when you look back at the last 30, 30 years, uh, without a doubt, when you look at the body of work, uh, Wayne Gretzky, you know, Mario Lemieux, Mike Bossy, I look at those guys and go, those guys are pretty salty. You know, I mean, I played against all three of those guys. Unfortunately for Mike Bossy, he had back injuries and wasn't able to really you know, get up in that that uh, that rarefied air, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. But you know, like Wayne Gretzky, to this point, the numbers bear it out, right? I mean, he's he's up there just short of 900 in his career. I think I believe 892. Mm-hmm. And Ovi, uh, look, I mean, he he is he's in the neighborhood, and if he could stay healthy, uh, why not? You know, why why couldn't he be within 50 goals of the great one? and look to take down that almost record that record that you just saw almost would never be passed right like for me of being a a hockey lifer and and having played against Gretzky and looking at the not guy's got a he's got a thousand records I mean it's just amazing of everything he's done (laughs) and you look at that 892 like I mean the point I don't think he has to worry about the points record I mean look at think about it he has more assists than anybody has ever had points it's in scary. the NHL. Like, that's just think scary. about that for a second. Like, you talk about domination. I mean, that's that's MJ. That, that's Michael Jordan. I mean, that that is, you know, like that is just flat out incredible. But when you look at Ovi and being shy of seven hundred and looking at that number, his contract's up after next year. I don't think there's any doubt he's going to be in Washington. You know, if if you do the math. If he can play another five years and average that number of that, you know, thirty-five to forty, why not? Now, look, he's gonna look. He's gonna need some luck on his side, right? Oh, like yeah. Father time, AQ, you know this. Father time is sure. undefeated, right? And he's gonna Maybe need to stay healthy. He's gonna need to stay healthy. He's gonna need a bit, a little bit of luck, um, and he's gonna need to continue to have those great players around him. And Nicholas Backstrom was just re-signed recently for five years, so he's not going anywhere. Um, but you know, look, I, I would not argue uh, if anybody said, look at, and he's the greatest goal scorer we've ever seen in the national hockey league. I'd say, well, you know what? I think Wayne Gretzky is, but he's, you know, he's in the team photo and that, and that photo's probably got about three or four guys and hope he's moved right in there. So it, it'll, uh, it'll be great. It'll be great theater to watch, like to see him close in and again, need some luck, um, and to stay healthy. And if he can do that, um, why not? And that's been my response when people have asked me that question is, you know, like, do you think he could do it? And uh, absolutely. Because, look, the game is way different now, uh, Nick and AQ. It's way different now than it was 15 years ago and, and obviously in the era of, 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 of Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. It's, it's catered to offense. Look, the National Football League, AQ, you know, it, it's catered to offense. Baseball, mm-hmm. catered to offense. When you look at all the rules, the NBA, catering to offense. So I look at a guy like Ovechkin who loves to score, can still shoot the puck as well as anybody. Uh, the momentum, uh, he's in the carpool lane, and he's got an <laughs> incredible opportunity here And with a little bit of luck and health. Uh, why not? Why can't he get to 893 and uh, – and, and break that record, but uh, that's just incredible to even think that he's 
he's on the verge of doing that if everything kind of works out here in the next four or five years. That That's a great that's, analogy in the carpool lane. I love that. Edzo, uh, I got to ask, AQ and I are yeah. both Pittsburgh guys. You mentioned Mario Lemieux. We, we're both born and raised Pittsburgh guys. You, you spent some time there as a coach. Uh, you played for and against Lemieux. Uh, I've heard some things that maybe you were maybe you were jaded with the way things happen. I, I tend not to believe it. Uh, you seem like a great guy. So I want to get to the bottom of a couple of things. If you could touch on your time in Pittsburgh. And also, is it true that Mike Lang was the one that gave you the nickname Edzo? Um, I'll work my way backwards off the questions. Uh, <laughs> Mike Lang did not give me my nickname Edzo. It was uh, my former teammate with the LA Kings and former Pittsburgh Penguin Kevin Stevens gave me that nickname oh, back in... Uh, Back, yeah, Arthur Louise gave me that back in, uh, in 1996 when we were playing together with the with the L.A. Kings. Uh, Nick, my time in the Berg, uh, I mean, I, I spent almost three years as a player there. I spent three years as a broadcaster working with the legendary uh, Hall of Famer, the great Mike Lang, my first, uh, my first partner uh, in the TV business back in 2000 to 2003. And then I got the opportunity, uh, I, I should say, I wanted to get into coaching and I went in for an interview to coach the minor league team in Wilkes-Barre Scranton in the American hockey league. And the interview went well. And instead of interviewing for the minor league job, I got asked to, to coach the, the big club in Pittsburgh because we were in the middle of a, the team was in the middle of a rebuild and they were going to blow it up and start from scratch and try to hit some home runs in the draft. And Oh yeah, by the way, we hit a few home runs with <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury first overall, Evgeny Malkin, second overall, and then we won the lottery and got Sid. So back-to-back picks, back-to-back-to-back picks when you think about Fleury, Malkin, and Sid. Uh, I mean, that's that's the way you draw it up in your meetings when you sit there and go, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to blow it up and, uh, you know, we're in some financial distress and we need to start over and and that's what you need. And, And we did it. And look, to get that opportunity, I would never trade it in for anything in the world. I mean, I... I enjoyed it immensely. Look, was I disappointed that I got fired? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, look at you get traded, you get fired, you get released. I mean, you know, look at you're always going to be upset and wish things might have opportunities maybe would have presented themselves a little differently or maybe, you know, things happen, but you know, I look at I have the utmost respect for Mario. Uh we were drafted in the same year in 84. Uh got a chance to play with him. Uh, when I was in the Berg, had a chance to coach him when I was there coaching his team and to have the utmost respect for the Penguins. And uh, But look, at I I enjoyed myself. It may, I think it made me a better hockey guy. Uh, it made me a better broadcaster. And uh, I enjoyed my time in Pittsburgh very, very much and uh, will always feel a part of that the old Czech family has in, in the city of Pittsburgh and representing the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, yeah, well, as a fan during that time, I, I can admit there were some tough times there, but I just, hopefully, you know, I, I speak for the fan base here. I'm trying to, at least. You were you were one of the best uh, best guys to do it, and it was a pleasure to watch you behind the bench, even though we didn't get the success we, we wanted, uh, but also to listen to you on the radio. You were great. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Eddie, so uh, always have a huge amount of respect for guys who broadcast across multiple sports. Joe Buck, yourself, um, I think it's obviously so hard and all the research you have to do going back and forth and what you have to, you can't really miss a beat going on air. So um, I know we're pivoting here, but how hard is it to go from a hockey game one day to calling a horse race the next? (laughs) (laughs) 
Wow. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a horse racing guy through and through. I have been since I was 12 years old as a kid growing up in Chicago and going to the track. And uh, it's, uh, it's always been a, a, a release. Uh, I chose to live my life a certain way when I was a young kid and then you know, grew up and still to this day. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a drinker. Uh, I've never drank alcohol. I've only drank alcohol three times in my life uh, on purpose. Uh, once when I was seven years old, sitting on my, my dad's lap when uh, he was having a beer and, you know, you get inquisitive as a young kid and spit it all over him. He's still pissed off at me for, for doing that. Uh, I, I drank from the Stanley cup. His Nick introed me, uh, the greatest achievement that I had in my hockey career of being a small part of a team that won the Stanley cup in 1994 with the Rangers. I got a chance to drink from the Stanley cup. And then uh, a year and a half ago, uh, my oldest son, Eddie, uh, got married on August the 4th of 2018. Uh, oddly enough, uh, one year to the day that uh, I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. And uh, I drank at his wedding. So, you know, I, I just never drank. I chose not to do that. I didn't smoke, no drugs, no nothing. But, uh, yeah, I gambled on horses. Yeah, that, that was my <laughs> relief. Uh, and it's always been a passion of mine. And, look, my, my boss at NBC, Sam Flood, gave me an opportunity, I guess, going on five years ago. And after me, and I tell the story in the book, um, but I actually got my start in television, believe it or not, was in horse racing. So quick story. So back in 94, we win the Stanley Cup with the Rangers. Yep. Uh, when I got the Stanley Cup, uh, I had a private party at the Meadowlands Racetrack in East Rutherford, New Jersey, right across from New York City, obviously. Had some friends there. We went to the track, brought the cup with us there. And then the next day I brought it to Belmont Park and celebrated with the Ranger fans there at Belmont and, and, uh, and what have you. So um, the next season, uh, there was a work stoppage. So we went to training camp. We played exhibition games. And then there was a work stoppage, you know, labor you know, disagreement uh, between the league, the NHL, and the Player Association. So there was a lockout. There was no hockey. So the people at the Meadowlands Racetrack called me up and said, "Hey, you know, like you know, you're you like the horses, you know, we like hockey. Uh, what's better than hockey and horses? Hockey and horses, you know, pucks and ponies. I mean, what's better than that?" <laughs> and they said, "Well, you know, why don't you come to the track, you know, three four days a week, and you can be our in-house handicapper. So meaning, you know, the races will set up the races when the horses are in a paddock warming up, and then, you know, we'll handicap on TV." And you could give your picks, and you know I'm like, holy cow! And they said, look, you know we'll you know we'll pay you, you know we'll pay you eight hundred a night. I'm like, man, they're going to pay me to come to the racetrack. I'm like, <laughs> this is this is a hell of a deal here. I'm like, well, they probably know it's just going to go right back into the windows anyway. Oh, so I mean, it's you know, so I actually got my start in television in horse racing back in the fall of '94. So I did that for about three months, and then we went back to playing hockey. So push it forward uh, i got fired in pittsburgh in christmas of 05 and then my boss to this day sam flood hired me at nbc for the nhl and nbc back in early of uh, 2006 um and for about i'll say probably from about 20 probably like 2011 so i didn't say anything for about four or five years right like i just thought you know i'm not going to mention anything about the horse racing because at that time nbc had the triple crown coverage and did some horse racing on NBC. And I, you know, I always thought, you know, man, maybe I should, you know, put my plums on the table and, you know, ask my boss if there's any opportunity. I don't want to take anybody's job. I don't, I just, you know, let them know I have interest. So 
from about 2011, and again, I talk about this in the book, from about 2011 to 2014, I would ask my boss, Sam, once a year, uh, you know, hey, Sam, you know, I just, I don't know if there's an opportunity, and, and I'd get the Heisman. AQ, I'd get the Heisman post, right? You'd be like, nothing, there's nothing, don't even think about it. <laughs> uh, you know, and I'm like, nah, you know, I'd be disappointed. I'm like, whatever. But, again, I'm a horse racing guy. I'm playing the, I'm playing the ponies all the time. doesn't matter. That's just, that's my love and my passion. So, one day, back in 14, I just figured I would spill my guts to Sam and just tell him, say, hey, look, like, I, I don't know if you know this. So I told him the story about me working at the track during the lockout with the Rangers in 94, in the fall of 94. I just said, look, I promise you, if you give me a chance, I don't want anybody's job. Just, I don't, you don't have to pay, you don't have to do, you don't have to pay me. You don't have to just give me a chance. I won't let you down. And there was that slight hesitation. And he was like, let me think about it. I'm like, I got a shot. Let's go. I got a shot. It's, I'm going to get a shot, right? So sure enough, this is like, I'm going to say it was like maybe January of, of 15, no, 14. Yeah, it was, yeah, January of 14, if I'm not mistaken. So he says, okay, let me think about it. So then I get a call. I, I remember I'm actually in St. Louis right now getting ready for the NHL All-Star Weekend here with the skills on Friday night in the NHL game on NBC at 8 Eastern on Saturday night. And right, I'm in St. Louis and my phone rings. I'm on my way to a playoff game. I think it was Blackhawks Blues. And I look at my phone. And it says Sam Sell, and I'm like, "Oh shit! What did I say? Did I, what did I did I say something wrong? Like, you know, like because he really does. He would never call me like that. I'm like, what's going on? And he just said, Edzo, I just want to let you know um, we're going to give you a chance uh, after the Triple Crown. We got a couple of shows in the summer. We're going to give you a chance to do some horse racing. And I'm like, Sam, I won't let you down. It was like it was like the call I've been hoping for, for, you know, for like a hundred years. It was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to get a chance. So I get into the summer. I go to Santa Anita, my first show. Uh, we, I have to pick two races. Uh, one's a turf race and then one's a big, uh, a big stake race. First race. I pick a 10, I pick up 10 to one shot. Name of the horse was she's a smoke show. Love I it. got on TV. I gave a 10 to one shot. She wins. And then the next race was a big stake race. It was only a five or six horse field. I uh, picked a fifteen to one shot. I think it was uh, Golden Harbor Harbor Town, Golden Town Harbor, something like that. I forget what the name of the horse was, but it was fifteen to one. I get on national TV and I pick a fifteen to one, and lo and behold, they both win. So my first two picks, and if anybody knows anything about horse racing or odds or anything. 10 to 1 and 15 to 1 on my first two picks on national television. Uh, you can know how happy I was and how happy my boss was. And, <laughs> that's uh, unreal. So that's how I got into it, really. And then, you know, I've made this obvious, I've had this opportunity to make this life in broadcasting. So I know I'm finally getting to your heart of your question, AQ, <laughs> but that's how I got, that's how I got into television. And for me, um, I think doing the horse racing has, has, has made me a better hockey broadcaster. Uh, there's a great challenge in the horse racing part of it. Uh, it takes courage to go on television and not pick the favorite to sit there and go, well, you know, yeah, the Patriots are going to win, the Patriots are going to win, the Patriots are going to win every game, and you got a pretty good chance that they're going to win the game. But to have some courage and go, you know what, you know, I, I think Tennessee is going to be able to go there and put a spanking on them. You know, like, I mean, 
and the same in horse racing, to go up there and say, look, and have conviction. And look, you're going to have horses that run well, and you're going to have horses, run horse, horses that run dead last. So for oh, wow. me, uh, it's always been a love and a passion, and that's how I look at it. And, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard work uh, to go back from, you know, back and forth, uh, you know, remember a couple of years ago, I mean, even, well, no, the last couple of years, I go from a hockey game, the Stanley Cup final game one night, and then do the Belmont the next night, or, you know, uh, do a, do the All-Star game one night, and then do a big race at Gulfstream uh, that afternoon, so it's, uh, I feel lucky, I feel blessed, um, but I think it's made me a better broadcaster. Uh, and I'm very, very proud of that and very honored and humbled that NBC would allow me to do, to work on two of their bigger properties, uh, you know, on the network besides uh, Sunday night, uh, you know, football night in America on Sunday night on NBC. It's amazing. So cool. Eddie Money cleaning up at the track. First shift in the NHL, first game, first goal. <laughs> uh, two, two calls on national TV, long shots. That's incredible. Uh, Eddie, we got one more question here from sure. our uh, resident Canadian friend. He runs social media for us. Gump, Gump, what do you got for Eddie? Hey, Eddie, just to go back to winning the Stanley Cup with the Rangers against the Vancouver Canucks, that was kind of when Pavel Bure was at his peak, and I just remember how fast he was on the ice watching. Yeah. I'm just curious how fast he was actually when you were on the ice with him. Yeah, I, I mean that. Like I said, I had a very small role on that team. I played one game in a playoffs that year. I actually played in the conference finals against New Jersey, the, the famous game when Mark Messier predicted that we would win the game after being down in the series three games to two. I actually played in Game Six in New Jersey, and we were down early in that game. That might have been the greatest goaltending performance I ever saw from any goalie in any one game. But Mike Richter, we were down two to nothing in that game. Late in the second period, and it could have been five nothing. Ricky played abs. I mean, it was absolutely incredible. And uh, Alexei Kovalev scored late in the second, and then Mess scored three goals in the third, and the rest is history. And then we went on to play Vancouver. So I did not play in a Stanley Cup final, but playing against Pavel Bure for many years, um, he had that incredible ability to go from fifteen or twenty miles an hour to about fifty. You know, like he, he, it didn't take him very long to just absolutely pull away. And, and, and I use the phrase of, uh, you know, separation on skates. And he, he had that incredible ability. And look, I, I was a, I was a Clydesdale back in the day. I mean, I had, you know, I, I had no chance of keeping up with a guy like Pavel Bure unless I had a stick in his midsection or what have Attaboy. you. But he just could, I mean, look, you know, he could skate. I mean, and he just, that was the one thing that impressed me is that he, and, and when he got the puck on his stick, he almost would seem to accelerate. And I think that's what made him such a incredible player is just that first step. And then once he got the puck on his stick, um, he was gone. And look, he wasn't a very big guy, but I mean, he, he had some, he had some girth to him. Like he was thick. He was, he had some bite to him. He had some jam to him. And, uh, Unfortunately for him, he you know he broke down towards the end of his career. But um, yeah, he was he was a pretty talented player, that's for sure. Eddie, one last question. My name's Diggs. I host a, a betting show here. I know it's a while to the Derby. I don't even know if there's any events in the in the near future. Do we have any winners? Do we have any horse winners that you give out? <laughs> <laughs> We're degenerates here, Eddie. We we, we all need right. Well, here, we this get. is what I'll tell you. I, I'm I'm not. Uh, you guys got to tell me when when are we uh, when are we running this? 
when, when is this going to hit the, uh, the, 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 to the, to the people? When uh, is it going to hit the masses? This will be next week, like Tuesday or Wednesday probably. Okay, good. So I was going to give a horse off for this Saturday, so I, I, I better not do that. So that, that's, probably, that's probably a good thing. Um, you know what? I, right off the top of my head, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't want to give out anything because I just don't know when a particular horse might be running or where a horse might be running. But if you guys want to have me on, I'll make a deal with you. If you want to have me on, prior to the triple crown right before the kentucky derby if you want to maybe we can talk a little bit about a couple of races on on derby on derby day or on oaks day the day before the kentucky derby uh, we could certainly uh, figure that out but uh you know what i'd love to be able to join you guys again right before uh, triple crown time that would be awesome edzo thank you for that and we'll take you up on that bet what we'll do is we'll have you before the triple crown events we'll have you come back and jump on our, our boss's show pat mcafee on uh, westwood one he's got a nationally syndicated radio show so we can get you on there and get you out to the people we'll make sure uh they get some winners from you be happy to and guys thanks again for helping me uh helping me promote the book too like i said my, my goal with my book is if I could help one, inspire one person uh, out there to just help them get through the battle. And it doesn't have to be cancer. I mean, it could be any battle. Uh, I think there's a lot, to, a lot there. I think it's for any age, uh, man or woman, uh, athlete, non-athlete. Uh, I think it could be very relatable, obviously, that people are in a cancer battle or know people that have battled. My wife and I want people to know how important the caretakers and caregivers are. My wife was there every step of the way. I never saw her weak. I never saw her down. I was at my lowest. Uh, I, I wanted to quit uh, when I was in treatment, too. Uh, my side effects brought me to my knees. Uh, neuropathy, nosebleeds, blood clot, headaches, vomiting, uh, just going to the bathroom without having any control. And I, I, was, I was ready to quit. And I, I was thinking, well, how in the hell am I going to get through this treatment, let alone get to another 10. And I told my wife I quit and I've never quit at anything in my life. Um, whether it was hockey, playing, coaching, being at the track, being down $25. Okay. $2,500. I wasn't quitting. Like I, I, I'm, I've never quit at anything in my life, but I was ready to quit. And my wife gave me the greatest inspirational speech that I had in my life. And the one thing I'm most proud of, and I talk about this in a book, my greatest achievement is my family. My wife, my four kids, uh, my circle, we all have one. And I tell people, I always hope that you laugh and love a little bit more after reading the book. And my wife told me, and she just looked at me when I was ready to quit, and she just said, and I was hurting. I was scared. And I'm not embarrassed to say that. My wife said to me, she says, you have to fight. You have to fight for me. You have to fight for our kids. And you have to fight for all the people that love you. And we had a moment. And it lasted probably about 30 minutes. And all I did was cry because I was in pain and I was scared and I wanted to get through. I wanted the cliff notes version of the chemotherapy and get me right through to treatment 12. Um, but I needed that. And then I got back my hockey helmet on and said, okay, I'm going to go day to day because guys, look, we're all day to day in the big picture, right? Like True. we're all day to day. Like tomorrow is not guaranteed. Uh, and I needed that from my wife and I want people out there to make sure not only looking after the people that are in the battle, but also those caretakers and caregivers, because like I said, I never saw my wife weak. I never saw her down around me, but I sure in the hell know is that when she was away from me and had her quiet time is that she let her guard down and was worried about me. 
and we have to make sure that we're looking after the caretakers and caregivers out there. And that's something my wife and I have taken a big uh, act upon ourselves to make sure that we let people know that, hey, we got to make sure we're looking out there after the caretakers and caregivers, not only the people that are in the home, but also the, the medical staff. I was very lucky. I had an incredible team uh, led by Dr. Michael Terry of the Chicago Blackhawks, and uh, I feel very lucky and blessed. And Hopefully that uh, somebody that reads my book or heard me on with you guys today, and I thank you very much for having me, if they know my story, uh, that I made a difference. Uh, because I think that this is my purpose in life now is to help inspire somebody out there in some form or fashion. And if I can do that, then uh, it was well worth the initiative of doing the book. So I appreciate you guys having me on your show. Edzo, that's, that's powerful stuff. Uh, we, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on with us. We know we're going to do 15 minutes. I think we've gone for like 40 here. You, you've been absolutely incredible and gracious. We just want to say we wish you the best, continued success to you and your family as well. Looking forward to watching you down the stretch run and into the playoffs here. And then uh, one more thing, if you could just say hi to your son Tommy for us, who we met while he was playing at the Indy Fuel. Uh, our boss, Pat McAfee, went and got in goal for them for a practice, and he took a clap <laughs> bomb, and he hit Pat right in the nuts so hard. It was one of the funniest things we've ever seen. So... Shout out to Tommy, and I uh, hope well, you're doing well. Yeah, I, I, will, I will do that, Nick. And uh, Tommy's studying for a CPA in Chicago. He, he hung him up last year playing hockey after being at Penn State for four years, being on the first Division One uh, men's uh, ice hockey team at, uh, at Penn State. So thank you to Kim and Terry Pagula, the owners of the Bills and the Buffalo Sabres of the National Hockey League. And uh, he's... Uh, Looking to get into the real world, and uh, I will definitely let him know that. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, Pat was a gelding before my shot. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, he bounced back. <laughs> he, he took it like a champ. But uh, everyone, again, please give it up for the great Eddie Olchek. Edzo, thank you so much. Okay, guys, thanks. And we'll talk to you around the Triple Crown. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. Great, thanks.